Well, as we begin this series, uh, I am excited about this series. This series has um, not just depth, but width to it, and you'll see as we go along as it unfolds. We're, we're going we're, we're to look, and, and the series is based on the story Jesus told of the prodigal son. You've, you've heard the story many times, but this series is going to bring uh, new light or revelation on different areas that you've never heard before. So uh, I want to explain something about the story because the story is actually grouped in with two other stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. I, I don't believe it's referring to your salvation. In my opinion, the story Jesus tells of the prodigal son is about a believer. He's a son. He's still a son. And I do believe that believers can go astray and that the father is waiting for them to come home. I think that this is really the story behind the prodigal son. Let me just give you this image, because if you're a parent, this may have happened to you, and you haven't forgotten this, but maybe you were at the mall, you were in a store, and you turn around, and your child is lost momentarily. They went astray, they drifted away, and all of a sudden, you know, you, 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 your child is missing. Well, while they're missing, they're still your child, right? While they're missing, it's still your son, still your daughter, and then you remember the relief of when you find them, and, and there they are. You need to know that there are God's kids that walk away, go astray sometimes, but they're still God's kids. Listen to me. It's not lost, saved, lost, saved, lost, saved, lost, saved. There is no scripture that can support a theology like that. And I want to talk to you seriously in this series about how all of us can become a prodigal in an area of our life and maybe it's just for a short time so how how do we handle that today's message is entitled why leave home and i believe that there is an answer to why we struggle why we battle leaving home the father's house even as believers so i want to begin in luke 15 just a couple verses here we will be in this luke 15 the entire series but we'll take pieces of it as we unfold this so I just want to look at about three verses. Then he said, Jesus, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And this is where we get the title, prodigal son. Jesus didn't call him a prodigal son. He called him the lost son. Now, I don't think we use the word prodigal in many conversations. Probably the only time you would use the word is in talking about this story. You may have never even heard the word except through this story. So I'm going to look at the Greek, and I'm going to look at a definition in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance at the definition of the word prodigal, and it's a one-word definition, and this should clear it up for you. The word is dissolutely. It's clear as mud, right? That's what I, I had no clue. What, what does dissolutely mean? It's an adverb, and I couldn't even find that. The only thing I could find was the adjective dissolute. Dissolute is which is describing the action of the way of a person was living. So I went to Webster's and looked at the word dissolute, and here's what it said. A person lacking restraint and marked by an indulgence. And then it listed a couple examples like drinking, promiscuous sex. 
we understand about this son, he probably had indulgence in those things. But the first part of the definition is what I want us to see and understand in this series. Lacking restraint. If we're honest, we all probably have areas we lack restraint. But they're different, and they're at different times. In that area, we have a tendency to be a prodigal. That's the battle that we face as a believer. Watch, he was a son, but he was a member and part of a family. So we're not just talking about a lost person, but a family member who leaves home. All of us have been prodigal at some time or another in our lives. Maybe it was for years, maybe months, maybe days, or maybe even last week we were prodigal. The reason we battle the lack of restraint in our lives is because we are three parts. Yes, the answer goes back to literally the way we were created. We're spirit, soul, and body. If you've been around this church very long, you've heard me say we are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. That's been something we've taught over and over and over again. I want to show you that in the Old Testament. There are a couple scriptures in the New Testament that identify spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to show you one in the Old Testament in Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. There's the body. And breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. That word breath in the Hebrew is the word ruach. He breathed the breath of God's life in, and a man became a living being. That's the soul. So here's why we've said this over the years. This is, I really want you to understand this because it's important how we're made. So God created a, our spirits to relate to him. God is a spirit. So he created our spirits to relate to him. And listen, your spirit lives on forever. Your spirit will live in one of two places forever. So your spirit's going to live forever. Secondly, he created our bodies to relate to his creation. Your your, your co-workers, your your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, to relate to creation. And he created our souls to relate to him and our creation. So remember, or you may know, your soul is made up of your mind and your will and your emotions. So with your mind and emotions, he wants you to relate to him. You're not a robot. He wants your mind and emotions to relate to him. And he wants you to relate to his creation with your mind and emotions so you can enjoy his creation. He put us here to enjoy him and to enjoy his creation. But he created you spirits to relate to him. So the problem is when Adam and Eve sinned, their spirits died immediately. Their bodies didn't die for hundreds of years. Their souls didn't die. Their minds and emotions didn't die. They still had a soul for hundreds of years, but their spirits died immediately. In Ephesians 2, the Bible says we're all dead in trespasses and sin. In other words, listen, in other words, you actually were born on this earth with a dead spirit, a dormant spirit. Your spirit does not come alive until you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then your spirit comes alive. So, for years, you learn to relate to God through only your soul. In other words, you relate to God through what you understand about God, what your mind thinks about God, and how you feel about a situation, your emotions, and what you desire to do, your will. In other words, you learn to live life and make all your decisions based on your thoughts, your feelings, and your desires that all reside in your soulish man. 
if you're not a believer. And God never intended for you to live that way. He intended for you to live where your spirit is in charge. Why does he want your spirit in charge? Because he is spirit. He communes with us, communicates with us spirit to spirit. So if my spirit is in charge, then my spirit is connected to his spirit, and his spirit is telling my spirit what to tell this soul and this body to do and not to do and where to go and how to live. The reason we battle the lack of restraint, listen, in areas of our lives is, is because, well, it's the soul. So I want to show, show you some things about the soul. Number one, the soul is selfish. The soul's motto is protect number one. Watch out for number one because if you don't, no one else will. Remember, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I'm going to take one part of that three part of your soul and I'm going to kind of explain this more in detail. I'm going to take the mind. Your mind is an incre- it's incredible. It's better than any computer that you own. And I know you, I know you don't think that, and I understand that, that you don't think it's that way, but it's true. Your mind has logged everything you've ever done, ever said, everything said to you, everything you've seen and experienced in your life. Your mind has it all. And you're sitting there thinking, where is it? Because I can't remember. It's in your subconscious. Let, let me give you some examples. Have you ever said, you're talking to somebody and you're going you're gonna to tell them about, and you say, well, how's that guy's name? What, what is his name? It's right on the tip of my tongue. No, it's in your subconscious. Your subconscious knows everything, every experience, conversation you've ever had. Your mind, in a millisecond, searches through all the files and accesses the situation you're in. It's kind of like this. I'll illustrate it this way. You walk in a room, whether it's a business meeting, whether it's a family reunion, whatever. You walk in a room, and your mind is beginning to say, have I been here before? Have I seen this before? Have I, heard, have I ever experienced anything like this? In a millisecond, your, mind, your mind's going to call up, and, and you don't know this is happening. This is the way you're built. It's going to call up, oh, yeah, you, you've been in 467 times in a situation like this. And then it's going to categorize it and bring it down to, and 59 times the circumstances are very so similar to what you just experienced. And six times they're almost exactly what you're experiencing right now. Watch. This is how you get deja vu. You didn't experience it in a former life. You experienced it in this life. You just don't remember it in your conscious, but in your subconscious it does. Let me give you another example. This is how you can be in a conversation and become very angry. You can be in a conversation and just blow up and you don't even know why. Because your mind is analyzing the situation in a millisecond. Your subconscious tells you, oh, last time you were in a conversation like this, in a meeting like this, you lost the argument because you were not forceful enough. You better become more forceful and stand your ground. And all of a sudden you're talking and you hear this and you see that and all of a sudden you just go off. And then you walk out of the room, walk out of the meeting, and people say, what got into him? Your mind accesses the situation and told you this is how you need to respond. You even respond sometimes with insecurity for the same reason. Your mind accesses uh, uh, the, the, the situation and, 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 and you feel insecure, and, and, and so you now feel insecure in that situation. 
And this all comes from the soul. Your mind is doing this. Your spirit would say, you need to lay down your life, turn the other cheek. Your soul says, you better protect number one. That's why you respond sometimes with fear, not because you're in a situation that's fearful, but because you've been in other situations that remind you of that same fear. Listen, it'll even go this far. This is why you can meet someone and immediately not like them. You ever done that? Don't point to them, but have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, you have. Uh, just say it's like this you're walking out of the restaurant you and your wife and 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 you see someone she knows went to school with and you stop and you talk and then there's the introduction of the husbands and 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 they say this is my husband bill hi bill hi bill i'm jerry and you then we leave and we walk to the car and i say to my wife i don't like that guy (laughs) you just met him you don't even know him but in your mind in a millisecond your mind has said have you ever met anybody like this before yes i have 389 people just like him And 88 of them are very similar to this person. And I've actually met five people just exactly like him. And one of them pulled my shorts down at PE. (laughs) And you just don't like the guy. And if if you told the guy, he'd say, hey, man, you don't even know me. And, And my mind would say, oh, yeah, buddy, I got a whole file on you. That's how incredible the mind is and why we react sometimes. Why am I telling you this? Listen. This is how a stronghold works. This is the battle we face as believers that keeps us lacking restraint in certain areas of our lives. Strongholds like insecurity or depression or fear or lust. Let me, let me just illustrate lust for a minute. Lust is where your mind has categorized every perverse thing you've ever seen. And then when you see something that reminds you of that, you begin to have lustful thoughts. So, so hear me. Here's what I'm saying. This is why believers fall away and end up in a pig pen when they're living in a mansion. They're living in the Father's house and they end up in a pig pen. Why? Because they have a stronghold and the stronghold is in your soul. Your spirit is saved if you accepted Christ. And many, listen, many people don't understand grace and they don't understand works. So let me say it this way. The problem is we don't understand the finished work of grace in my spirit and the progressive work of grace in my soul. The battle is in my soul. And the only reason you lose the battle is because there's a problem in your soul. Your soul is selfish. Your soul is born selfish. And that's why it needs to be converted, renewed, transformed. That's what you're renewing, your soul. You're not renewing your spirit. Your spirit is brand new. That's why people don't understand the scriptures about the saving of the soul. Or they believe the saving of the soul has nothing to do with... They don't believe the saving of the soul has nothing to do with your eternal destination. The word saved comes from the word sozo. It means making whole. Your spirit, born again, has been made whole. That's the work of grace. And all the scriptures about the saving of the soul are true. Your soul needs to be saved not for eternal destination, but to keep you from going right back to a pig pen. Your soul is being converted, and it needs to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the soul is selfish, so what do we do about it? Point number two, the soul must submit to the Spirit. The soul must submit to the Spirit. So watch this verse in Romans 9 and 12. Okay, I'll explain what it means. It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. Now, God uses this principle in Scripture. The older shall serve the younger. 
but this has nothing to do with the principle of the first and the firstborn. If you've been here, you've heard me teach on the principle of the firstborn. It's, it's not the same thing. Let me give you an example to explain what it means. You, you come into this world, and, and your spirit, man, is dormant, is dead. You live for 20 years before you accept Jesus Christ. At 20 years old, you accept Jesus Christ, you become Lord, and your spirit man comes alive. So who is in charge of you before accepting Christ? Your soul. Your soul is. And then you're born again. Literally, born again in the Greek means born from above, born of the spirit from above. Spirit is alive. It was dead in trespasses and sin. He has made us alive. That's your spirit. So your soul, watch, has been in charge for 20 years you get saved, and then your spirit comes alive. So, which one is the older? The soul. Which one's the younger? The spirit. The Word of God said the older, the soul, should serve the younger, the spirit. So your spirit is to be in charge. Your spirit says to your soul, I'm in charge now, and we're going to do things God's way. We're not going to have the old thinking. We're not going to think this way. We're not going to do this way. We're going to go by God's principles. This is what we're going to do. And, and, and so your soul, being so sweet and humble and kind, says, okay, I don't think so. It says, not without a fight, pal. And that's where the battle begins that keeps us from being prodigal. Are you going to respond the way your mind, emotions, and will tells you to or will you respond like Jesus would respond? So what you have to do, watch, here, here's the answer. What you have to do is you have to feed your spirit. Your spirit has to grow up. Your spirit, if not, you're going you're gonna to just keep going to the pig pen. Your spirit has to grow up. How, let, let me meddle a little bit. I promise I won't get on it. This is, this is a real sore spot for me right now. But I won't get on that. But let me just hit it. How much time do you spend reading on the Internet or Facebook Versus the time you spend reading God's Word. Which one are you feeding by reading all of that? Most of the time you're feeding the soul. There are spiritual things there, I understand that, but for the most part, we're feeding our soul when we're on that, reading all that, most most of the time. And, And this is why, and how we get into trouble. If you don't feed your spirit, there's a battle going. If you don't feed your spirit when you take things in from the soul and you're reading all this stuff you begin to believe all the stuff that the soul's being fed because your spirit is weak your spirit man listen when your spirit man gets stronger and you read things and you realize i don't want to read that or you realize that's out of line that doesn't work that doesn't line up with god automatic it, it doesn't get you in a place of confusion it, it did, and, and, and what people are doing now is, is they're using people of influence with a platform because they don't have a platform, and they're saying things about people, and, 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 and people are just believing everything they read about anybody and everybody, and what is that doing? That is feeding the soul. So watch, what you have is you have a world and you have a system that's being led by the soul, not by the spirit. Are, are, you, are, are you with me? you okay? Everybody all right? Everybody breathing? Okay. I need to feed my spirit. There's nothing wrong with reading the other stuff, but if I don't feed my spirit, my spirit man has to be strong or all of this stuff from my culture, from my community, from my world, all of this stuff is going to inundate my my soulish man and it gets harder and harder for me to change. I said I wasn't going to get on that pet peeve and I did, didn't I? I'm sorry, forgive me. Okay, 
The psalmist said, watch, watch. Psalms 131 and 2. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Here's what he's saying. The psalmist is saying, I I got my soul to be quiet. And here's how I did it. I had to wean my soul. Well, how do you wean a child? You take the child off of milk and put the child on solid food. So in thinking about the solid food of taking the soul off of milk and putting on solid food in the light of these scriptures, listen, 1 Corinthians 3.1, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. If I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. And then in Hebrews 5.12, the writer said, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principle of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are full of of, of full age, and that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, uh, there's a lot of mamas here. What happens when you try to wean a child? The baby cries and throws a fit, right? Come on, mamas, work with me. Right? Yeah. They they, they cry, they throw a fit. Do you know what's going to happen when you try to wean your soul? It's going to cry and throw a fit. Why does the baby cry when you try to wean the baby? The baby thinks you're trying to kill him. (laughs) Because you're taking him away from the only food source he has known since he was born and he thinks i'm gonna die in the case of the soul that leads me to point number three the soul must die well how does my soul die i die to self your selfish thoughts need to die so listen to this in hebrews 4 12 remember the word of god is likened to a sword okay as i read this for the word of god is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit here's what that means people get hung up there here's what it means piercing to the division or dividing of what you think and what god thinks the word of god is a powerful sword that divides what your soul thinks and shows you what god thinks and of joints and marrow and is a discern of the thoughts and the intent of the heart and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open look at the word open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account the word open we we, we need to remember now the word of god is called a sword this word open in the greek is trekliso okay and here's what trekliso means to seize by the throat or the neck of a victim to bend back the head to be slain to expose the gullet of the victim to kill him god's got big plans for your soul oh yeah here's what the word of god does no jerry don't don't respond that way that's your soul respond this way this is your spirit this is why believers go astray why they leave home because they don't let the sword divide between the soul and the spirit you've ever heard someone say jesus went to the cross so you wouldn't have to well my problem with that is jesus said if you want to follow me take up your cross so apparently i have to die too not, not in the flesh. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Why did they put the word daily in there? 
Paul said, I die daily. Do you think that means he got saved every day? I got to get saved every day, every day, every day. No, that's not what it means. It means he crucified his selfish nature every day in his soul. Well, how does he do that? Romans 12, 1. And, and, and the truth of it is you're going to see spirit, soul, and body in what I'm going to read you right now. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, you're not to be conformed by the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, of your soul. Why? To prove God's will in your life, not your will. Why would a believer ever leave home and go live in a pig pen? The reason is he's listening to his soulish thoughts and not spiritual thoughts. In other words, soulish thoughts are what his own mind can figure out and what his own emotions feel and what his own will makes the choice to do. That's why we need to feed the spirit. You are a spirit. And you should look at everything you're reading and everything you're watching and ask yourself this question. And I, am I feeding my spirit or is this just feeding my soul? Because listen, the more you feed your soul, the harder it is to change, the harder it is to transform. Is everybody okay? Everybody good? Okay, so watch. I don't know how much you read the Psalms. By the way, if you want to read five a day, you can read the whole book of Psalms every month. Okay, there's 150. But David spends a lot of time in the Psalms talking to his soul. And it gets, if you, if you look at it a lot, it's kind of humorous, but it's like, okay, we, we need to see this. He tells his soul not to be cast down. He's telling his soul, you're not going to be cast down. He tells his soul, straighten up. He tells his soul, be quiet and listen. He tells his soul, praise the Lord. He tells his soul, bless the Lord. This is the whole principle of the spirit telling the soul what to do. And by the way, you are a spirit and you have a voice. <laughs> so you may need to tell your soul what to do. The reason we leave home is because our soul overrules our spirit. If you want your soul to submit to your spirit, you're going to have to get in the word and get in the word daily. It's like a mirror reflecting back. It brings revelation and insight to you. If the only time you get in the Word is once a week when you drop into church, that's not enough. That's why, we're gonna, that's why we do groups is because we, we give you this Word and then you take it during the week into groups and break it down in a little bit so it's, it apply, the pieces that apply to you apply to you and it's more effective. So I want you to understand that there's not, we, we want a quick fix. It's not a quick fix. I, I, I honestly believe that this soul being saved is a lifelong process it's just because listen we live in a fallen world and we and we and, and, and as we go through life we, we we need to be changing but the way we change is through the word and through the spirit of god so here, here's what i want to leave you with when i say you want a quick fix you're not going to change you're not going to build up your spirit and change your soul with drive-through quiet times fast food quiet times and, and this is what god hit me with real hard a couple months ago he said you used to spend a lot of time with me now you just give me your do list my do list now you don't just come in and spend time with me i i just want time with you and me and, and, and listen and here's why this is what i believe why 
Because stress, anybody have any stress? Sin, anybody, anybody ever tempted on sin? You're breathing. Stress and sin snowball. And if you don't deal with it every day, it gets larger and larger. And it gets out of hand. And it just rolls through. So that's why daily. Listen to what the psalmist said in 32.6, the first part. And this is in the Message Bible. These things add up. Stress and sin. Every one of us needs to pray. Listen to me. As your pastor, I don't want you to be a prodigal. I don't want to be a prodigal. But we've all been prodigals. And there's a possibility we could be a prodigal again. Some area, we lack restraint, and we get into this area for a season. And then we come to our senses, and we come out. So I I don't want you to be there, and I don't want to be there. The question is, are we going to lack restraint and leave home for seasons, or will we have the restraint and not leave home? The only way you can have the restraint is by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Without the power of God and the Word of God, you do not have the restraint in your own flesh to do it. You have to have something that's higher than you and more powerful than you. You have to have something supernatural. You have to have something living. That's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And when you do that, then you can avoid leaving home. Are you going to let the Word of God divide your thoughts and God's thoughts? So there's two things in finishing I want to say. Because I feel like there's two different groups of people I'm talking to, and I don't know who they are. Here's the first group. If your spirit is still dormant and dead, you've not been saved, born again, this is your time. This message is for you. Hopefully, This message is in a simplistic form that the light goes off and says, okay, I see it. And and, and if that is you, remember, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Are you saved? Is your spirit spirit man alive in Christ? Well, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You confess your sins. You believe in your heart Jesus is Lord, and you believe God raised him from the dead and he's Lord alive. You'll be saved. This is your day to do that. But for those who are believers already, here's what I ask you to do. I ask you in your own spirit, in your inner man, to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this message? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because I think some of us, he could be talking to a lot of us about our drive-through quiet times. A little fast food, that's hurry. I think he could be talking to us about what we're reading and what we're not reading. He could be talking to us about we need to feed our spirit instead of our soul. We need to be in the Word and feeding our spirit and getting built up. And I, I don't know what God is speaking to you, but I want you to know that we're praying for you, and we want to pray for you. And in a moment, there'll be leaders in the front of every campus. That you, in any area of your life you come, we want to pray with you. But here's what I believe in my spirit. Listen. Remember, spirit to spirit. I believe some of you, God is speaking to you about this message. And I believe you need to humble yourself and come to someone and say, I just need prayer. Because you see, here's what happens. The older we get, the the, the more we get stuck 
in our thinking and our patterns because the soul has led us so long and now we want the spirit to change and we're not willing to pay the price. I have seen so many examples of people at an older age come to God. And then I see the transformation take place. Because that older person, they're stuck in their ways. Their minds are made up. This, this, this. Yeah, they're going to heaven, but, 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 but. There's one gentleman in, in our church. He's been here several, almost a year now. And, and, and he came in and he was, he was you know, he, he, he was that. He was hard. He was negative. He was this and this. And since he's been here, God has had just incredible words for him. And speaking to him, he's changing. Everything about him is changing. He's, he's so pliable. He's so, so what am I saying? The longer you put it off, the harder it is to transform. The longer you stay stuck in your rut of the way you think and the way your mind and your emotions feel. Listen, you can be wrong. I know that's not an American concept. No one wants to understand, but you can be wrong. And most of us are wrong. And most of the time, when I do what I do out of my soulish realm, it's not what God would have told me to do out of the spirit realm. And I listen, I want you... Listen, I, I want you to experience the, how, the, the welcome home of the Father's home. But I don't want you to experience the leaving and the back and forth because time is too short. I, I think that we have to put our hands to the plow and have to face the music like, okay, I am going to let my spirit grow up. I am spiritually going to spiritually start working out. And get my spirit man buffed up and strong and lean so that my spirit man can set my soulish man in line when my soulish man is wrong. Everybody good? Everybody happy? Okay. This message fits all of us. No one's excluded. All of us. But what revelation to understand how God made us and how we're built and how we stay strong and we don't leave home. I want to pray for you. The pastor will come and give you an invitation in just a minute at all the, all, all the campuses, but let me pray for all of you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw every person at every campus that needs to become born again that need prayers answered that need to have someone pray for them that their spirit man comes alive and begins to become strong and strengthened lord we need you we can't do this without you and when we do this with you and through you then it the the, the ability of what we can accomplish is endless because now now we are strong in our spirit and we accomplish the things that the spirit has called us to accomplish and all of that brings honor and glory to the kingdom of god and we want to honor your kingdom in jesus name i pray for every soul listening to me